1 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, y'all know I'm going to do my best. I put one verse here. If I can open this water. See, that's what happens when you don't work out for a week and you lose your strength. Amen. Can't even open this bottle up. Amen. I want to deal with one verse today. One verse. Everybody say one verse. Come on, one verse. I want to do one verse. Now, I'm going to deal with a couple others, but I really want to concentrate on verse 19. Here it is, the word of the Lord. Although I am free from all and not anyone's slave, I have made myself a slave to everyone in order to win more people. That's so short, I could read that again. Although I am free from all and not anyone's slave, I have made myself a slave to everyone in order to win more people. We're going to preach and teach from the topic, Remember the Win. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Father, we... We come to you with hearts of gratitude, hearts filled with worship. Father, we're grateful that we invited your presence and you showed up in a wonderful way. Father, we're grateful for the praise and the worship that has gone forth from this place as a sacrificial offering unto you. Father, those raised hands and raised voices were for you. And now, Father, we ask that you would continue that same powerful move and speak to our hearts. Father, there are some things that you expect from us because we are your children. Father, there are some things that only we can do, those who are, in fact, your children. And, Father, I pray that you would remind us of that high calling. Father, we lift up those who are going through, those who are ill, those who, are, who have suffered the breaking of the family circle, those who are just despondent and destitute during the season. And Father, I pray for physical, spiritual, emotional, relational comfort for all who hear our voices now. We submit this prayer to you by faith in the name of Jesus. Let everyone say amen. Thank you so much, ushers. Thank you so much. Remember, remember the win. Remember the win. Here's our big idea for today's message. Winning in the kingdom requires losing oneself. Winning in the kingdom requires losing oneself. I am convinced that as a whole, the church has forgotten how we win. We haven't, on the other hand, forgotten how to assemble, how to meet, how to fellowship, how to insert our preferences or proclivities. No, we've, we've forgotten how to win how to put points on the board for God's team. The other day, I, I watched in pain and anguish as my Dallas Cowboys demonstrated collectively winner's amnesia. 
they forgot how to win. How to put your best runner in so that the opposing defense has to adjust in order that the receivers have more freedom to move about, that in the end, the quarterback has multiple arsenals at his disposals, they forgot. So as a result, they resorted to trick plays with limited vision in order to appease their own interests. Somebody say they forgot. From the signature suites above to the sidelines below, although they were gathered together cheering and drinking, they forgot their purpose. They failed to execute a game plan that would yield a victory. The Dallas Cowboys forgot how to win. Church, if we're honest with ourselves, we too must remember the win. We must consistently hold up God's standard for winning while persistently fighting to win according to God's standard for winning. In other words, if God ain't pleased with our win, then we lose. Oh, I'm preaching to myself up in here. Winning in the kingdom requires losing oneself. Matthew chapter 28 verse 18 says, Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you and remember I am with you always to the end of the age. Y'all, there is nothing in that great commission that I've just read or in the great command to love God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. There's nothing in either that puts what we want up and above what God wants. I'll need a little help up in here. Beloved, I'm preaching to myself and to you. When our vision is limited, we'll see what we want to see, and very likely we will miss what God wants us to see. Teach, Pastor Brown. And one thing that Matthew 28, 18 through 20 teaches us is where there is a deficit in disciples, there will be confusion about kingdom. Where there is a deficit in disciples, there will be confusion about kingdom. Winning, winning in the kingdom requires losing oneself. The context of our passage has the Apostle Paul reminding his naysayers and haters that his calling is preeminent. Somebody say preeminent. Paul says, my, my calling is, is, is preeminent. As an apostle, as a pastor, as a church planter, as a preacher, Paul's calling compels him to serve as a slave for God's glory. His, his calling compels him to serve as a slave. Verse 16 says, for if I preach the gospel, 
I have no reason to boast because I am compelled, there it is again, to preach and woe to me if I do not preach the gospel compelled, called. Y'all, this calling, this, this unction, if you will, it is Paul's continual motivation and accountability to ensure that his ministry never loses focus. Our calling defends us against drift. Drift. Cars and motorcycles drift in the direction where the operators look. Drift. Skiers and runners go where their eyes go. Drift. I've discovered that drift is inevitable. Course correction then becomes essential. In every situation, every season, every organization, drift is inevitable, which is why course correction is essential. Our, our calling, our calling defends us against drift. So we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 that Paul is about the call. He's not about name or fame or change, money. Paul is about the call. And Paul needs them and us to understand that his high calling is what centers him focused upon that that the Lord desires for his life. Scripture says we endure everything so that we will not hinder the gospel of Christ. Paul says, I go through so that I can ensure that when I stand to preach, when I stand to proclaim, when I go in through the highways and byways sharing the gospel, that nothing but Jesus and him crucified will be heard. So, beloved, in this singular verse, it demonstrates how Paul remembers the wind. Look at verse 19, the A clause. Paul says, although I am free from all and not anyone's slave, I have made myself a slave to everyone. Stop right there. Although I am free from all, I have made myself a slave to all. The language of this verse is astounding. Paul declares that his freedom in Christ, while simultaneously declaring, Paul declares that he is free in Christ, while simultaneously declaring that he voluntarily shackles himself. Oh, I hope y'all are hearing me this morning. Paul says, I am a free man, but, but I willingly, I willfully put handcuffs on myself. Paul says, I have, been, I have been delivered from jail, but I voluntarily incarcerate myself. Oh, God. Who does that? I'll tell you who. Someone who is called. Help me, Holy Spirit. 
Someone who sees beyond themselves. Someone who is more committed to kingdom than they are their limited vision or their limited understanding. Someone who is committed to winning based upon God's standard and not their own. Maybe I'm preaching to myself, but every now and then I got to remind myself that it ain't about me. Maybe it's just me that wrestles with this, this pride that, that swells up whenever I get one point for the kingdom. Uh, I begin to think that I'm all that and, and would be nothing without me. And then I find myself in this verse where Paul says, I, though, although I'm free, I, I shackle myself. So as Paul cuffs himself, he is cuffing his preferences. Oh, help, help me, Lord. He, 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 is, he is shackling his wants. He is incarcerating his limited understanding. Oh, God. See, before we get to the why, of Paul's incarceration, we need to fully understand the what, mm, God. This, this self-slavery has been lost in the church and in modern ministry. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody up in here, y'all. We make church fit what church folk want. Oh, God, I'm, I'm feeling this. I'm going to say it again. We make church fit what church folk want. We make ministry fit what church folks want to do. I take that one amen all day long. In other words, y'all, we aren't slaves. We aren't servants. We're customers. Yeah. If all I want is what I want, then I'll never step aside to discover what the lost need. Oh, God. I knew it was going to be uphill, but not like this, Deke. I knew it was going to be uphill, but y'all got me sweating up in here. That's okay. I'm going to keep preaching. If all I want is what I want, then I'll never discover, I'll never step aside to discover what the lost need. And, beloved, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break away from my little script here because this is exactly what's happening in the church. This is why churches are closing by the hundreds. It is a refusal to stop catering to interests inside and start focusing on what the Lord has called us, which is to be outside focused. See, if all we focus upon is what we want, then we literally convert the church into a cruise ship. If, if all we focus upon is what we want, then we forget the fact that if someone had not adjusted it for us, we wouldn't be here ourselves. Y'all, this is Paul's calling. He shackles himself. He cuffs himself, click, click, so that he can get out of the way for others. Here's my first of two principles, and I'm going to let you go. The first one is, be a slave. Yeah, I know. Y'all got mad with that one. I'm going to give it to you anyway. I know, I know. Mm -hmm. Pastor Brown, it's Black History Month. You're talking about be a slave. Absolutely. 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 
be a slave. As a matter of fact, you're going you're gonna to help me preach. Look at your neighbor and say, be a slave. Come on, look at him. They may be asleep. Wake them up. Be, 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 be a slave. Be a slave. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Listen to what it says. Jesus is speaking. He says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve that slave and to give his life as a ransom for many. Here's the sub-point of the main point. Be willing to lose. Oh, help me, Holy Spirit. Be willing to lose. Be, be willing to lose. Friends, our ability to get out of our own way is crucial for the kingdom. Our willingness to get out of our own way is imperative for kingdom wins. Y'all, we got to be willing to lose. We got to be willing to say, you know what? I'm as concerned about the ones who we haven't reached as I am concerned about the ones we have reached. Oh, I need a witness up in here. And, and I will never, help me, Lord God, I will never allow what I want to supersede what God wants. Yo, this is what makes church and change so hard. This is why church and change don't go together. Because it's about preferences. Well, since this is Black History Month, I'm going to give you a black history moment here. A freed Georgia slave by the name of George Lyle was one of the most significant figures in the history of Christian missions. George Lyle planted the first African-American Baptist Church in North America. Give God a hand for Brother George Lyle. This church is still in existence today. And while William Carey, amen a little bit, and while William Carey is recognized as, as the father of modern missionary movement, that designation also belongs to George Lyle, who in 1782, he and his family left the United States to share the gospel of Jesus Christ in Jamaica a full 10 years before William Carey ever tied his shoes. George Lyle teaches us something so profound. He teaches what it looks like, watch this, to be willing to lose. He left his home in the States to go into a foreign land, not for vacation, not to come back to Jamaica, but to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. George Lyle teaches us what it looks like to be a slave for Christ. But I'd just be a slave. Second point, and I'm done. 19, the B clause says, I've made myself, he, 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 here is the why. I've made myself a slave to everyone in order to win more people. Hmm. Not only be a slave, second and finally, be a winner. I can't make it no simpler than that, y'all. 
Be a winner. Be, be, be a winner. Notice in the text, our submission to serve, to give up our rights, to give up our preferences, is the path toward winning, there it is, more people. See, one of the things that happens post-pandemic is that churches can become stagnant. Help me somebody. Say amen if you can. Churches can become stagnant. And when churches become stagnant, there are no baptisms. Limited, credible disciple-making. When the members refuse to see beyond themselves, when there is an unwillingness to serve, this is when we miss our calling. When we attempt to reach others for Christ, but on our terms, oh God. No, we got to be a winner. Now, one of the things that I have gotten over in this season is I've learned how to pivot in my own visualization. Thank you, Lord. My own visualization of what church looks like. I've had to change it because in my mind, church is us here gathered, worshiping collectively, corporately. That's church. That's all I've known since the late 60s. That's church. And the Lord permitted this pandemic to come through and shake things up. And some people we discovered, watch this, no shade at all. Some people were let off the hook. Oh, God, y'all got to stay with me. They were let off the hook. They were here out of obligation. They were here out of routine. But once they didn't have to be here, peace. Again, no shade, and that's okay. Because you know what that does? That shows us how we're going to get lean to get better. That, that, that shows us how the Lord is giving us room, watch this, to win more. Y'all, the church ought to be a maternity ward where the cries of newborn babes in Christ are constantly heard. The church has to be a place where, where individuals who are broken come to be mended and restored. The church has got to be a place where, where that, that young boy is, is looking for purpose for his life. He can find it in Christ and he can find it and discover it at the church. That The church has to be a place where young couples can come and be restored, where they can see what a godly marriage looks like. The church is a place where widows can come and find refuge and covering, not men trying to get with them, but men trying to serve them. The church! So we got to be a winner. Got to be a winner. I got a sub point. Here's a sub point. I'm almost finished. Stay with me. Here's a sub point. Meeting the lost where they are with the message of the gospel. Reaching, meeting the lost where they are with the message of the gospel. Beloved, it's about winning more. And what I love about 
the phraseology in this scripture. Watch this. There's always room for more. Come on, somebody. There's always going to be room. If we fill this sanctuary up four times, there's always room for more. See, we don't have to worry about churches being planted here. We don't have to worry about churches organizing here. George Barnes said if every church in America was full beyond capacity, that would still only be about 10% of America's population. We, there is no shortage of the lost. But there is a shortage of those seeking the lost. Oh, God, y'all missed that. There's a shortage of those who are going out beyond themselves. To seek those who are lost. Beloved, it's, it's about winning more. Paul, to the believers at Galatia, puts it this way. He says, verse 13 of uh, chapter 5, he says, For you were called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But serve one another through love. Don't, don't use your freedom. To just sit back and enjoy church at your leisure. Don't, 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 don't use your freedom to just, to just pick and choose, God, how involved you will be based upon the time you may have left over with your wonderful life. Don't, 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 allow, don't allow yourself to fall in alignment with, with this marketization of church that we see in our culture. You got to be about the Father's business. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the person sitting next to you. Amen, somebody. As I close, do you not know what real evangelism is? See, we get so intimidated by the evangelism. I don't know what to say. What, what am I supposed to tell them? We, we got to talk about dispensationalism. We got to talk about the get. No, no, no. Here is evangelism. Evangelism is one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. That's evangelism. Telling somebody else where to find food. Telling someone else how your life has been filled to overflow. How you're experiencing life abundant. And how the overflow of that can be a part of their life as well. It's about winning more. Self-shackling. So that our calling can be fulfilled, and, and so that God's kingdom can be expanded. Oh, look at your neighbor and say, shackle up. Come on. Say, shackle up. Sh shackle up. Uh, be a slave. Be a slave. Be a winner. And ultimately, tell a dying world about a living Savior. Invite a hungry person to come here to feast on God's word. Serve a needy family with support and encouragement. Tell them I serve a risen Savior. Tell him he's in the world today. Tell him I know that he is living whatever men may see. I see his hand of mercy and I hear his voice of cheer and just the time I need him. Hallelujah. He's always there. Let them know he lives, that Jesus lives. He lives today. He walks with me and he talks with me along life's narrow way. Tell the world he lives. Tell him he lives. Salvation to impart. You ask me how. I know he lives. He lives. Within my heart. And they don't know that because he lives, they can face tomorrow. 
Because he lives, all hope is now. We know who holds the future. And that's our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Remember the when. Be a slave. Be a winner. Heads about eyes are closed. Heads about eyes are closed. Father, we thank you. Oh, God, we thank you right now. We give you glory, praise, and honor for the simplicity and power of your word. Father, we've sought on today to remind us of the value of being a slave. Father, we know you've set us free through Christ. We are free indeed. But Father, to win in your kingdom, it requires us to lose ourselves. To willingly and with intentionality shackle ourselves. Shackle our preferences so that we can make room for others. Father, help us to reorganize the church in such a way that she looks like a place that's looking for lost folk. Help us, Father God, to reorganize the church in such a way where she doesn't look like a place that caters to the insiders, to the family. There is a commitment to communicate in such a way that a person who has never even heard of Jesus can hear about him. And without intimidation, without having to, to conform, they can just come just as they are. So, Father, I pray that each of us, under the sound of my voice, whether in the house or at the house, that we begin to examine ourselves as Paul examined himself, himself. Father, help us to check our heart. Thank you for reminding us, Lord, how to win. This is our prayer. This is our hope in the name of Jesus. Let everyone say amen.